Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, I'm going to do something that I don't often do. I'm going to use a popular movie as an illustration. We just recently watched the movie Pretty Woman at our, at our house. Well, we watched some of it. Hamilton's over here shying away, like he doesn't want it to be known that he watched it. But anyway, we watched it. It's a romantic comedy. It definitely has some inappropriate parts, so we didn't watch the whole thing, but we just sort of skipped through those parts. Um, but it, it's, um, it's a good movie. It's from the uh, 1990, I guess. So it was a movie starring Richard Gere, and he plays Edward Lewis, a handsome and successful business tycoon. He, um, he finds himself on travel in um, Beverly Hills, Los Angeles, that area, and he needs an escort. And he stumbles upon, actually he's looking for directions, and he stumbles upon a prostitute, and that's played by Julia Roberts. And that's uh, her name in the, in the movie as Vivian Ward. So Edward finds himself in need of this female escort, and he uh, asks her if she would, would do that. So immediately when you see this, the, the audience conjures up this image of rags to riches. Oh, this is a, a rags to riches tale. He's a handsome businessman who has the financial resources to rescue her out of her poverty. And let's face it, she's a prostitute. But there's something more than that going on. There is a greater story afoot. You see, Edward is a ruthless businessman. He's not just an ordinary businessman. He's ruthless. His business entails buying troubled companies, breaking them up into pieces and selling them for a great profit. Of course, in the process of doing that, he ends up putting some businesses and some operations out of business. Now, you can actually make an argument for this. I mean, after all, there are some poorly run businesses that should give way to better run companies. Okay. However, in this case, he uses deceit. He uses corruption. He has politicians in his back pocket. He uses his leverage that he has over his bank to try and hold back lending that might be offered to the business he's trying to buy. So he uses these corrupt practices. Actually, kind of to put it uh, in a summary, he is a despicable businessman. And he's actually a loathsome character. Beneath the the, uh, veneer, a pleasant, handsome, amiable man Beneath that veneer, he's actually, there's something despicable going on with what he does. In short, this despicable businessman has worked hard to earn the scorn of his victims, as well as the discontentedness in which he is personally mired. See, he's not happy in spite of all his commercial success. He doesn't have fulfillment in his own life, and he comes to recognize that. This movie is a fairy tale, and as you may suspect by now, the way I've laid it out, of course, you might have already seen the movie. I don't know. You might have seen it. But by the way I've laid it out, as you might suspect, Vivian, the prostitute, is the one who actually serves Edward by showing him that there is more to life than his pursuit for uh, domination in the business world, than his pursuit for wealth 
that has no greater purpose than just acquiring it and having it. At one point, Edward even soberly reflects on the realization that, quote, we don't build anything. It's a turn of event, and in this turn of event, she ends up rescuing him. So what does this all have to do with our gospel lesson today? You might ask yourself. Well, after hearing our short gospel lesson, many will form the impression that this is a story of Mary and Martha. The conclusion of the story? Be like Mary. Don't be like Martha. Sorry, but that rather misses the point. To adapt a classic line of Shakespeare, to serve or to be served, that is the question. That is indeed the question. In this account, Martha believed that she would be the host to Jesus. She believed that Jesus would be her guest. After all, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He is a traveling minister, a rabbi. He, he uh, requires the benevolence of those who he serves with the gospel. He requires them to care for him, to provide a place for him to stay, to provide a meal. There's nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. Her motives appear to be proper and pure. She would lay out a feast for Jesus and she would show him tremendous hospitality. At the same time, however, you can serve a preacher in more than one way. For example, you can also serve them by listening and by hearing their preaching, by listening to their words, by allowing them to serve you. Primary mission of Jesus, the primary mission of Jesus was to serve us. As we read in Mark 10, also in Matthew, for even the son of even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that um, uh, Richard Lenski whose commentary I read often, uh, puts it well in his commentary on this passage. He says, By her attentive hearing, Mary helped to make the seat of Jesus a pulpit, her own humble place at his feet a pew, and the whole room a chapel, in which the mercy of Jehovah was proclaimed, yea, a very sanctuary where God himself drew nigh, to this sinful heart with grace. Isn't that a wonderful way of putting this, that Mary's presence at his feet is is pointing us to the one thing which is needful, which is Christ's word to us. Martha's thinking is, we will serve you, Jesus. You have come under our roof, and now we will serve you. (laughs) Mary says... I'm going to be served by you, Jesus. You've come under our roof. Now you serve me. Jesus said, that's the greater portion. In other words, to be served by Jesus is greater than to serve Jesus. Does that sound like fighting words? (laughs) Because a lot of people want to be really busy serving Jesus. And it's easy for us to fall into that. 
Now, some might turn this into a new law. We don't want to go down that road. But they might say, Martha was distracted and anxious about many things when she should have only been distracted and anxious about Jesus and his word. (laughs) No, that's not right either. Jesus came to serve. We don't need to be distracted and anxious about anything. Jesus gives rest and freedom. He gives peace that surpasses human understanding. The world fills us with things to worry about. What must I be doing? We ask ourselves that all the time. What is the thing I must be doing? You know, you see a a hymn like the one thing needful and you think, okay, what is it, God? What's the one thing needful that I have to do? Nothing. It's nothing you have to do. (laughs) Jesus gives us rest. Jesus says, I have done for you. Be served by me. Receive from me. Take what I give to you. Receive it with joy. That's what Jesus is saying. Understanding this rightly, understanding what Jesus is saying correctly here helps us to better understand what we're all doing here. It helps us to better understand this divine service. To see this rightly. I want to give you an extended quote from our uh, seminary president, Reverend Dr. Jordan Cooper, in his book, Liturgical Worship. Uh, He says this. Most Christians are uncomfortable with the idea that people should, in any sense, Go to church in order to receive something from God. This idea might seem rather selfish. Does this make worship about us rather than God? Instead, shouldn't we be offering all that we have to God? While this objection might sound pious, it is misguided. Between God and man, who is really in need? Does God need anything from us? Is he not sufficient in and of himself? Is there anything possibly worthwhile that we can give God which will truly benefit him? In reality, it is not God who is in need, but we are in need. We are in need of grace, mercy, forgiveness. And these things are what God desires to give. While it is true that in the worship service, the congregation offers praise to God, At the center of worship is the grace which God gives to sinners. Did you come here today to serve or to be served? Jesus says, let me serve you. I have laid down my life for your sins I have redeemed you. In baptism, God the Father has claimed you as his own. He has adopted you as one of his sons. Jesus says, in this sacrament, I am coming to you in the body and the blood to work faith in you, to work forgiveness, to give you the one thing needful which is that you sit at my feet and hear my word, my word of forgiveness, 
Not my word of, here, go do this. Here, go do that. Here, you can elevate yourself to righteousness by this means, by this works that you do, this righteous living. No. He says, I have come to sanctify you and to make you holy by my word. The one thing needful is that you receive it. Brothers and sisters, you're not being selfish if you come here expecting something from God and saying, God, I have come here today to receive from you. Now, of course, in response to our receiving, we will often lift praise. Thanks be to God. How often do we say that in our service? Because it's in response to what he has given us. By all means, sing praise and thanksgiving. Worship God. Serve your neighbors. Go out and serve your neighbors with love and kindness. Forgive others. This is a big one. A big one. Forgive others even as you have been forgiven in Christ. And why? Because you would serve Christ? No. Because Christ has served you. And thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.